we would be honored if you would join us. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Dungeon Crawlers. I'm not going to scream and yell into the mic. I'm just going to say welcome. Because it's that time of year when it's gray, it's cloudy, it's rainy, it's mucky, it's dirty. And, well, we don't get as much sunlight. And some fool decided it would be really cool to change the time back an hour and then messes everything up. Because, yes, the, the sun comes up a little bit later in the day and it's cooler, but then the sun goes so far down too quickly. It's annoying. When, when it's too dark to play outside at 4.30 in the afternoon, you've done time wrong. You have. You've broken time. Let's just face it. But, we don't- gentlemen... That means that there's more great after dark time to play D&D indoors with your friends. Yeah, you know, <laughs> there is that. But at the same time, you know, we don't need Daleks. We don't need Cybermen. We don't need whatever. They broke time. Just as simple as that. It drives me nuts. But that's not the point. That is not why we're here for you to hear our ranting about time breaking and it's dark at 4.30 in the afternoon or whatever. We're here to talk about games. Games. You know, it, it's, we, we've had some great guests on the show recently. We've had some great interviews. We, we hope that you've enjoyed those interviews um, with Tracy Hickman and Laura Hickman and Bob Salvatore. And um, man, my brain is drawing a blank but we can, I, some great can I just jump in on that and just yes. say like how awesome the sky raiders episode was last week oh, first yeah. of all i want to make it absolutely clear to all of our listeners because i think that there might be i, I want to dispel any jaded notions about this we were zero percent endorsed to do that episode that episode was purely because we are gamers who love stuff and tracy hickman is an amazing human being his wife even uh, just as amazing at the very least. She's pretty incredible. It was my first time interacting with her and I thought she was absolutely a gem. And the game that they have created together along with all the other talent involved is an incredibly amazing... It's a game with extremely high potential for creativity on the part of the players and the DMs and the GMs. And so, yeah, super awesome episode. We were not endorsed to do that. We just did it because it looked amazing. Oh my and gosh. plainly, plainly, we didn't even have time to go through the whole Kickstarter to the oh, level no. of detail that we close. should have. Not even so close. So if you're listening to this as the episode comes out, you've still got a couple of days left. You're not super uh, tons of time. Yeah. I need, I need to get back in on the Kickstarter. I, I, di- I did while we were interviewing them. Um, I was planning on before, but I wanted to hear more about it. But not only that, there were some really cool things that came out of it. And that's this is the thing I love about when we have reoccurring guests, we're always learning stuff. Like I always thought it was Tracy that was, you know, that was into D and D and, you know, he just got his wonderful life wife, Laura into it. No, it was the other way around. <laughs> that surprised me so a million surprising. percent. You know, let alone, Hey, it is now official and we must make a shirt, a freeze band. I'm sorry. Freeze we have band. to make that happen. <laughs> it's going to be a great time. Um, and if you have already backed to the Kickstarter, or if you just hurriedly paused the episode to go back to the Kickstarter and now you're returning to us, thank you for supporting our friends. But I actually do have an announcement oh. that is breaking here on Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Oh, if you are interested in playing a game with Tracy and Lara Hickman, a role playing game of some type, maybe this is on your list, your fantasy 
check off, right? Um, or more importantly, if you are interested in getting to actually play within the world of Sky Raiders of Aberax with some of the new content and material that is coming out, I have an opportunity for you. Oh? If you listened to our episode last week, we were recording, well, th two of the three of us were recording at Mythos Games in South Jordan, Utah. It's just mm -hmm. off the freeway at 106th South. And Tracy and Laura are going to be raffling off tickets as part of a fundraiser with Mythos Games to a private event. That event is going to be held December 4th at Mythos Games. It's a Saturday. Um, but if you shop at Mythos Games, um, full disclosure, I am an owner at Mythos, but we also love to sponsor Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Um, mm -hmm. Any purchases that you make between the time that you're listening to this episode and the end of the month physically in store of $100 or more will get you an entry into the raffle for free. And additional raffle tickets are available for purchase both in-store and online. It's going to be run kind of in an Omaze style thing where you can buy an individual entry or if you are willing to help us out with that fundraiser, the more you purchase at a time, the more entries you're going to get. Check that out at https colon slash slash mythos.games or come into Mythos Games at 681 West South Jordan Parkway. It's just off 106 South across the street from Mulligan's Golf Course. And again, we are going to pull five lucky winners to come and participate at a closed door event. The event will be streamed, but you'll have an hour beforehand to learn more about the secrets of Aberax and some of the mechanics that are going to be being played during that stream. And there will be a closed door meet and greet afterwards. Now, if you aren't one of the lucky winners, or if you're not interested in entering, but would love to come and meet Tracy and Laura, there will also be a signing event afterwards at Mythos, beginning at 6 p.m., 5 p.m., excuse me. Um, and we're going to be doing some additional events beforehand for anybody who wants to come and join us for a watch party. So check it out, mythos.games. And if you haven't backed the Kickstarter, this is your chance to do so. All of that sounds like such hotness. Oh my God. I'm just going to say a couple things here. So um, a few years back, I got to participate in a closed door event with Tracy um, that Al Alton put together. Um, it was amazing. Uh, it, he, Tracy ran a Ravenloft game and I got to experience the game from the gentleman that created Ravenloft. It was amazing. Um, so if you have any doubts about doing this, I would say do it because it's a once in a lifetime experience. This is, you get to play and participate in the game world. I'm assuming it might be, mm -hmm. I could be wrong. Um, from the man, the masters that created this world, that created this game system. Um, that is amazing. And not only that, you know, if you've ever seen Killer Breakfast or witness Tracy running a game, it is not a boring event. It is not a simple you walked into a cave, there's a troll, what do you do? No, he goes all out. It is amazing. So I would say, do it. Um, also, if you've ever wanted to meet them, fantastic, wonderful people. Um, they do take the time. It's not a, oh, give me your book, sign it, you're out the door. No, they take the time to talk to you. And they appreciate every single individual that comes to, uh, before them. And truly, it's amazing. So. Mm -hmm. Um, I just can't say anything more positive. And plus, you know, Mythos Games, it's amazing. You know, uh, you. they had this uh, really cool thing where people, uh, 
brought their board games in and was selling them. And I've been looking for a certain game for a year. And, you know, uh, one of Alton's uh, staff called me up and said, Hey, I know you've been looking for this and we have a copy, you know, and I don't live close. And he's like, you want me to put it aside for you? I'm like, yes, I'm on my way. <laughs> I drove 45 minutes through three counties to get this game. Uh, and I, I, I'm set. I'm glad to say I own it. Um, and that's the cool, the type of service uh, that is at Mythos Game. You know, they, yes. they pay attention, they know who you are, and if something comes up, they remember that, and they will reach out to you, which is awesome. Thank you, yeah. And um, and that, that's part of our hope with the big fundraiser here. You know, we started in the middle of the pandemic, which has been a ride and a half uh, figuring out how to make it work. <laughs> but it's important to us that we move as much of our inventory as possible before the end of the year. So we wanted to team up with Tracy and Laura to help make that happen, um, help us continue to grow. But we're also going to be working um, with some charities. Uh, anybody who's purchasing just raffle tickets, um, a percentage of your purchase is going towards helping charities. And all of those details are online at mythos.games or come into the store, check us out. I promise you, this is not like any other game store that you've seen because you've heard my voice. It is deep, it is sonorous. And you can imagine that the, uh, the team that I work with is absolutely fantastic. And we're gonna do the best that we can to make sure that your game store dreams come true, including things like fresh air and outside light. <laughs> yeah. So um, I have some ideas. We'll talk about it offline um, because we're in the middle of the, the episode, but yep. I definitely have some ideas. Um, there's some things that I came across today I'd like to talk to you two about. So it'll be awesome stuff to upgrade the show. Um, but let's jump into the topic. Um, mm -hmm. And that topic at hand is um, leveling up systems, leveling up your characters, leveling up your player characters in games. Traditionally, mm -hmm. you know, D&D &D has been... You go in, you hack and slash, you kill something, you get points. And those experience points start adding up till you reach a certain number, and then you get to level up. And then you start up, you continue to hack away, get more points, and that experience pool continues to grow till you get to the next, you know, uh, rung in the, in the leveling ladder. And then you get more feats and abilities or spells and stuff like that. But that's not always how every game system out there levels up. Um, mm -hmm. So let's talk about that. And I, I know Alton, as always, because he is the game master uh, extraordinaire, uh, has some great questions to, to lead us out. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And um, I'd, I'd really like to divide this discussion into two parts. The first part is, you know, the, the process of leveling up. How do we know when it's right to level up a character? What are the systems that we've seen that work well to help level characters up? What are the systems that feel just a little clunky or redundant or, dare I say it, old-fashioned in some cases? Things that slow down the game instead of enhancing it. But then the second half that I'd like to talk about is, what do we actually do when we level up, right? How do we make that meaningful, impactful to our stories, to our players, to our characters? How can we spice up our leveling up process to make sure that our players and our stories are in as, as engaged and in, engaging as possible. And I'm really good at speaking today. So you all are going to have to deal with this. <laughs> but part of the reason that this came into my head is because as we were talking a few weeks ago about um, 
RPGs and when it's time to roll out a new edition or when you know you know that a, that an edition is really at its prime one of the big laments that I heard Dan bring to the table is that higher levels felt less impactful in yep. fifth edition as well as in other systems that we've played and I wanted to explore that a little bit first Dan what has your experience been with leveling up within D&D when it felt right when when you know grinding your way up to that next next level felt great and what was it that changed that made that feel less impactful to you um let me make sure i understand the question so mm -hmm. you're asking for what game systems or what experiences i had that made that feel uh, yeah yeah. What, what was it that, what was it that felt good and what are the others that have not felt so good Yeah. for some people? It may be things like having to keep track of individual points or components, or I have to have this thing, but there's going to be a different experience for everybody. So for yeah. you, what, what stands out? So, okay. Um, I mean, I'm going to go at this a, a couple different ways. Um, first, uh, you know, even though D and D it, you know, when you get to those upper levels, it doesn't, it's not as impactful. I have had some GMs that have made it impactful where even though we're up to those mighty levels, it's, it, they have removed the element of about the grind, the, the, the battles. Now, really, what the important part is the story, the events, even though we're not getting a lot of experience for um, the creatures we fight, it's all about achieving the, you know, whatever the end goal is, you know, uh, for example, uh, the one game I played, we had a, a, a flying pirate ship, you know, we could, we literally anything that came at us, we obliterated, but we were in such a mindset that it was all about the experience. It was all about making it fun, going over the top. Um, I had an old sea dog named Cod. He was in his 60s. I, we had gone to this, uh, we had done a favor for this, this elf, this elf sorceress queen. And she allowed us to have one wish and she would grant that wish. And everyone was asking for magical armor and swords and weaponry and all this <laughs> stuff, which was amazing. I remember I the story. I am 64 freaking years. Why do I need armor or a sword? So what did I ask for? I asked for my beard to be enchanted where it could not break. And it, it would never be destroyed because my beard was my pride. And I had a freaking long beard. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was so long it went to the ground and I had it wrapped around my waist. Uh, sometimes I used it to keep my ears warm because I was bald. Mm -hmm. But in this moment, I, I'm like, these harpies are flying up. And I'm like, what am I going to do? I can't do anything. I'm old. I'm decrepit. I, I, I don't want to wait till they're here. And so I run and I dive off. And my buddy Lem, I'm, it's Cod and Lem. And I just yell, grab me beard. And he grabs a hold of my beard. I have my battle axe and I'm just spinning like a freaking ballista. Uh, <laughs> because my beard can't be broke. Um, it was awesome. But that's what that was about. It was making an experience. Mm -hmm. That made it fun for me because it wasn't about the, the points anymore. Uh, yeah. Another system I really liked was the Cortex system that Margaret Weiss 
productions put out because there was no leveling up. Uh, it really, you had a set set of stats and the GM could say, okay, you know, because of this, you get to pick a couple extra skills or, or, or things like that. And then as you open those skills up, they had a dice pool um, that you could use. And so that was all about dice pool. And so the more items, you, skills you could use, the more dice you could roll. Now, granted, you still could only select, I think it was four dice, but you had a much better opportunity to roll those higher dice points. Um, and I like that. You know, again, even though there was kind of that grind with fighting stuff, it wasn't the, oh yeah, now that I'm level 20, because there was no level. I thought, yeah. I thought that was fantastic. But there were still things that happened, even though you, there was always a danger with rolling a large dice pool because everyone that rolled counted. Yeah. And, and yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't a failure. It was a, a mishap. Something would happen. I mean, one of the coolest things is, you know, when I played the game, you know, uh, I can't remember who it was. One of the players rolled th something because he was going to go talk to a guy. Uh, no, he, he, got, he got in a fight earlier and knocked out some dude because the guy was like making fun of him. And so he just knocked him out. Well, when he went to go talk to the guy we were supposed to deliver the goods to, he rolled like three ones. And so the game master said it, you know, had playing the guy that we walked up to and he's like, and we're like trying to deliver so we can get money to get, you know, put fuel in our ship because, you know, this is, you know, we're using it under the firefly setting. Hmm. And the guy's like, so you're the idiots that knocked my, my uh, nephew out. And we're like, what? It's like the deal's off. Oh, it's like, oh crap. And that made it the, the game so much fun. It because it really wasn't about crunching numbers, getting to the next level. It was trying to get enough skills to do well. And at the same time, avoiding those ones because they caught, but at the same time, those ones really created some fun dynamic stories. I absolutely love it. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, no problem. And, and I'm going to ask Krebs the same question here in just a moment, but you've already hit on one of the main points that I have talked about with a lot of GMs and a lot of game designers, which is that systems are not a replacement for meaningful story progression. Truth. <laughs> they are not interchangeable. And good systems are designed to complement the decisions that players are making during the game to progress the story. That does not always necessarily mean that it has to be a role-play heavy or role-play centric system, right? I love playing barbarians and warriors that just get a crap ton of extra cool stuff to do in combat, but those rewards are always more meaningful to me as a player when they are connected to things that are happening within the story. And I'll elaborate more on that a little bit later. But first, Krebs, Let's talk about some of those standout experiences that you have had with leveling up. And it doesn't just have to be in RPGs. It could be in other things as well, but help me to understand what has felt great to you as a player. You know, every time you play a game, you want some sense of reward. Uh, I, as, I've, as I'm sure we all agree, and as we've said on the show before, every great game 
has a proper economy of jeopardy and reward. There must always be a way to lose. There must always be a way to win. Um, and there must be uh, justifiable rewards for risks taken. And the leveling system kind of falls in there as well. It backs that economy or it should, it should be part of that economy. If you're going to go into uh, a realm where you are somewhat outmatched and you find a way through the prowess of your character design, through excellent storytelling, through careful decisions, and even the luck of the dice, to get through that realm and to achieve that mission that was that was assumed to be out of reach, then there ought to be consummate rewards, including the experience you gain. The, the whole the whole experience system, the whole leveling system is meant to mimic how we progress in life. It's meant to say, you've had these experiences, you've received these wounds and these scars, you've saved these people, you've, you've achieved these things. And because of this, you have gained new wisdom, new insight, new strengths. Maybe you've lost some weaknesses, maybe you've gained some weaknesses, but your character is ever evolving. And that's what makes RPGs so much special, so much uh, such a special brand of game when you compare it to other traditional gaming types. The whole the, the core of what makes RPGs special is that there is growth and evolution. Uh, your character is always changing. It's not just the same uh, stereotypical plumber jumping on turtles over and over again, right? You you are becoming something else in time. So what I've really enjoyed is is I love the character creation process because when you're creating a character in a, in a system, whether you're new to it or you have a lot of experience, always, in my mind anyway, is the assessment of potential. What is the potential of this character? Why do I give this character a backstory? Because it drives the potential of the character, right? It gives the character a MacGuffin. It gives them a vector. It gives them a drive to do something else. Uh, but that the, the backstory, if any, dovetails with the design of the character in terms of the game mechanics. And now I have this character with great potential. It's still a level one character. It still has very low armor and a very weak weapon, but the potential of what this character can become is what's so fascinating and what draws you into play. That's what has always been rewarding to me in a leveling system is the unlocking of potential for this character, causing that growth, causing that evolution and allowing us to drive the story in previously unforeseen ways. I absolutely love it. Thank you. And um, you cut, you hit on a number of major points there as well, but one of the big ones that really stood out to me, that's another cornerstone of game design, of good game design that I've talked about with a lot of people, again, is you use the word economy, which carries with it a certain kind of mathematical, transactional weight, right? And, yes. and I think that it's it's very important to understand that, you know, that the economics of mathematically leveling up are always diminishing right um just to keep it as as easy as possible right anybody can do the math that i'm about to ask you to do if you put a d6 in front of yourself and you say okay every time i level up i get another d6 the first time you level up you're leveling up by 100 percent. you have multiplied by two that feels really cool now you get to level three i've got three dice instead of two that's still pretty impactful but this time I've only gone up by 50%. I've multiplied yeah. by 1.5. 
you add a fourth die, that number goes down again. You've now gone one and a third. You add a fifth die, you're now one and a quarter. That number will always continue to approach a state where it no longer matters because I'm really not changing that much about my character. I'm really not changing what my damage output is. Um, it's actually one of the biggest hurdles that I had to um, overcome when I was designing my first pocket RPG uh, dimensions because I wanted to build a system that felt meaningful but that restricted a player to utilizing a Yahtzee set, yeah. which meant that I didn't have bundles and grundles of dice. I had to use D6. I had a maximum of five that I was aiming for, six if I was lucky, right? And so because of that, we found very, very quickly that leveling up had to be more than that and that the, the bulk of what a character is and does and the way that they interact with the game had to be more meaningful as well. And, and the same way that we have mathematical economics within gaming and leveling up, there's also economics of character growth. They, like you were talking about, it's, it's that refining process. It's aiming towards overcoming something as a character or, or developing a story, developing a background. And again, this does not always necessarily mean that every player or every character should be motivated by a true full and complete character arc that's deep in role play and dripping with meaning, right? Sometimes it just means, yeah, I want to rule the kingdom. I want to be able to defeat Tiamat. I want to be able to go out and knock down a mountain if I want to, because I have this big legendary thing. Um, but every time that we're talking about the economics of character growth and the way that we help those moments feel meaningful, it also points us towards a trap that a lot of systems seem engineered to try to avoid, which is an ending, right? It is okay. And in fact, it is desirable, in my opinion, for a level up system to have a meaningful ending because that story will have to end eventually. That character will hit a point where they can no longer do anything meaningful because they have literally stopped the moon from crashing into the earth. There's not a person <laughs> who doesn't know who they are. And there's also not a person who's gonna pick a fight with them. That's right. right. And that is okay. D&D um, &D and some other systems have done things to try to handle mythical adventures where you're now starting to deal with deities and demigods. But even at that point, eventually you're going to beat them all or you're going to come across a God who's just like, nah, I'm not going to pick a fight with you. There's, there's no point, right? A wish can only get you so much further before you start to monkey paw yourself into oblivion. And so aiming towards that end is a good thing for a system, but it's also something important to keep in mind as we talk about how we make leveling up meaningful and, and important to a character. If I can take a second to talk about some of my favorite experiences with leveling up. Yes, please. Some of my greatest inspirations have come from RPGs, but some of them haven't, uh, yeah. just very plainly. And I know Krebs is getting excited because he <laughs> knows where I'm going with one of these points. But um, some of my favorite experiences within gaming are utilizing tech trees and finding feats and finding things that are natural progressions where I've got to do this so that I can unlock this. And then that lets me get to yes. this, right? It's, it's the, it's the macro economics. It's, it's getting yes. in and understanding the way that I'm maneuvering my character in a, in a real meta game sense, right? I know where I'm aiming towards. 
Um, that's one of the things that I found very gratifying when I first sat down to play Twilight Imperium. I played in third edition and there was a tech tree. Um, in fourth edition that went away and I think it's resulted in a much more elegant system for that game. But the same thing is one of the things that I absolutely love about Edge of the Empire and, and the original Fantasy Flight uh, Star Wars role-playing system is that every single class has a feat tree with points and prerequisites and yes. things that you need to work towards. Pathfinder in 3.5, the exact same way. I do think that you can accidentally fall off the trail, which is what happened with a lot of 3.5. <laughs> and one of the reasons that people hate feats these days is because feats were so disconnected and nebulous and often caused conflicts within themselves because they were not restricted to a class or they were not restricted to um, critical things around stats or character reasons for being. But at the same time, some of my favorite experiences that I'm having in my current Pathfinder campaign are entirely based around the feats that I can unlock because of my ancestry and because of the things that I'm working towards within my barbarian path. And I think that's really neat. One of the other systems that I absolutely love from a, from a, a tangentially related game to uh, this, this channel that some people here may love, we may have played it once or twice, Zombicide. I, that, for me, adrenaline point system that exists was one of the things that actually sold me on the game. For those of you who have not played it, what happens is, is that as you find objectives and kill zombies, right, you are gaining adrenaline points, but they are divided into different color bands. And as soon as any player reaches the next color band, all of the zombies level up. All of the cards become more dangerous. Yes. And it's for everybody, not just the player who leveled up. And for a game like Zombicide, whose intent is to personify the feeling of being chased down by a zombie horde where things are getting worse and your decisions are leading to rash outcomes and loud noises, that is absolutely perfect because what it forces players at the table to do is coordinate, to say, okay, I know you're about to level up, but just hold on, let the rest of us get a little <laughs> bit closer because if you jump too far ahead, we're all gonna get boned. Um, and it also creates moments where players can be heroes in the story because as they level up, they unlock additional abilities. And then all of a sudden I'm able to chuck Molotovs and have a 50% chance of getting them back. And I'm holding them in two <laughs> hands and Dan doesn't get to kill a single monster for the rest of the night. Yeah. Well, Not you know, that Dan has ever felt that. You go, you go red twice before any of us go red once. So, um, so I, I had the opportunity to run this game, uh, Zombicide, uh, mm. with my coworkers last Friday. Oh, yeah. So it was a very simple scenario. Everyone had to survive. You know, and I was thinking, okay, there are 12 people, and I let all 12 of them play at the same time. The, the game isn't really designed for that. But I, I let it happen thinking okay they're gonna survive this is gonna be kind of easy because the point was for them to work together and win That's it was right. a really simple thing they had to get two different crates and three pieces of food get to the exit so they have everything they have the object they have every they have the objectives they just have to get to the exit and this one person for some reason decided to go all the way off to this other corner <laughs> there are like three freaking spawn zones up there which converge on where she's at and so one of the other employees goes all right i'm gonna go save her gets up there 
you know, he, he's the master of death with the chainsaw. Oh, and yeah. not only that, he's the John Wick character, so he has escalation. Oh, nice. <laughs> so he's up there just slaughtering everything, and he goes before her. So he kills everything. He, he uses up all of his turns, and now it's her turn. And what does she do? She bolts. <laughs> she runs <laughs> like anyone do, would do in a traditional <laughs> movie. <laughs> And then guess whose turn it is after hers? The Zeds. The zombies. And then what happens? He gets I, overrun. I flip a card. And we get walkers with a rush. So they move in around him. There's, tw- there's 10 walkers surrounding him. And I'm like, okay, cool. The next zone spawns. And it's it's six runners with a rush. Oh my gosh. And they move into his. <laughs> the next one is another set of walkers with or runners with a rush. And I'm like, okay, what are we going to do? Cause there's two more zo- spawn zones left. I'm like, I- I'm over here waiting for like extra activation to occur, which would automatically. Yep. The next one, next one, all walkers get an extra activation. Oh, and then I'm like, okay, let's see what would have happened. The next card I flipped over. All runners get an extra activation. The dude was dead. Yep. And I'm just like, so I look at him like, like, what happened? I'm like, you guys just lost. <laughs> yeah. Everyone had to survive. You guys suck. And then we should, we, we should, I, I want to ask questions about like how you turn this into like a team teaching moment, but maybe that's another episode where we talk about team dynamics. Well, because I, the good that, thing about that's it, a great were, one. They were all, working together i mean we've been we've been working separately because of covid and that was the whole point of friday was to get together and have fun yeah and people that have never played games board games i had people that was like this was the greatest game i've ever played I had people <laughs> that were like you know I, there's one guy that's just like knows i'm like a geek and he's like okay whatever i'm gonna we'll play it and afterwards like this was the coolest thing because he's like hardcore military and, oh. and he picked out a guy and he was shooting stuff and he's like this was fun um yes. but the, the thing was they were working together you know and here's this mm-hmm. this poor gal that's stuck up there and so instead of running he's like i'm gonna go help her you know the problem is she bolted uh, yeah what a died too um it was just a poor choice but up until that point they were working pretty harmoniously together and mm-hmm. that was the fun thing. And they really realized, oh, yeah, that they saw where they, they messed up. Yeah. Um, and they would totally play that again. Um, and that was the whole point was for them to work together, for them to have fun. Even though they lost, they still are saying, you know, even today, that was a fun experience. And nice. that's have- my point, in my opinion, was the whole point of the game. Absolutely. And, and I'm, I'm so glad that you shared that story because it, perfectly perfectly encapsulates the final major point that i have worked very hard to bring into my leveling up but that i also think is a vital part of a good level up system which is that level ups can and should be in my opinion a tool and a method that both raises stakes and deepens the meaning of decisions that were already made yes while setting up decisions 
that are yet to come, right? Giving them the outcome of everything that happened since the last time they leveled up, since the beginning of their story, moving towards where they're going. Now, I don't want to start jumping all the way into ways to implement all of these things quite yet, because even though as excited as I am, I do want to try to actually have a little bit of honest discussion around this. Yes. So, you know, are there any other kind of critical points that that stand out there to you guys or that you feel, you know, maybe haven't been discussed yet or, or that do help to make a really solid level up? Krebs? So, um, yeah, I want to talk a, a little bit about do's and don'ts if I can. Uh, do's is always, I love what you talked about with like the diminishing return of leveling up. There are some games that do an excellent job of maintaining a, a, a rewarding level of when you level up, there is value and meaning. Uh, and even though leveling becomes fewer and farther between, uh, every time you level up, it's, it's worth something. And, and by the way, at, by the end of the show, I would like us each to give examples of good systems and bad systems and where we can find them. Uh, the don't here is don't, don't make leveling up a token. Don't make it like an artificial victory. Uh, I, I recently was playing a game where, uh, and it was a video game, mind you, but I was recently playing a video game where uh, you have multiple areas of leveling up. The gear levels up, the class you play levels up and the character you play levels up and and gear leveling up is a very short path but each level gives you at least a little bit of a buff right the class leveling up probably has the most impact over time uh as it unlocks the ability to use perks and to um you it unlocks certain perks and unlocks the ability to use more perks but the character leveling up and I kid you not, this is not hyperbole, is absolutely useless. It does not increase your character's health. It does not increase their defense. It does not increase their strength. It doesn't even increase their combat rating. It is merely a number that represents effectively how long you've been playing the game and how many missions you've played over time, roughly, mm -hmm. right? Like it gives other players an idea of how much you've been playing. And that's it. It has no in-game impact. And that really irks me so so it's okay to have unique leveling systems i've played games where it's not xp based where your base character never actually changes in attributes but as you gain gear as you complete certain quests you might rank up and ranking up unlocks new quests which gives you access to different gear that you wouldn't have access to otherwise and your gear is entirely your stat base and mm -hmm. those games when done well, oh my gosh, that is a really cool leveling system. I really like that. So do always allow the character, the, the, the quality of what, the, of what the player is experiencing, always allow that to evolve and grow in a meaningful way. Don't use leveling as a base token that doesn't really mean anything past the number. Yeah, I think that's totally great. Dan, do you have any do's or don'ts? Do's or don'ts? Um, well, I mean, there's a whole heck of a lot when it comes to role play. <laughs> when it comes to leveling up specifically, um, you definitely don't want to hinder the creative process. 
when when they are creating a character i mean as they're leveling up they are creating a unique character for them um allow them that creativity if they have an idea of like hey i really like to do this i know it's not quite in the scope of like maybe the subclass or maybe you know maybe they have they're playing a rogue but they really want some of the feats that generally go to a fighter you know that doesn't mean you can't do it it doesn't mean you can't make it possible I mean, they definitely need to be able to come up with a good reason or explanation, you know, because, but that doesn't mean it can't happen. And I think that's something you definitely don't, or you do want to avoid. It's not something you, you know, you don't want to hinder. Um, you want to do, allow them that creativity in, in leveling up. Uh, don't squash that. I think that's very important. Um, the other thing I would really have to say kind of to focus on um, is the level up process is not the most important thing of the game. You know, it don't let it be about numbers. You know, it's okay that if they've gone through this massive thing and they fought like heck through this cave, you know, and maybe it's not creatures they fought, but it's perils and traps. And, you know, for example, it, it's like the, you know, Indiana Jones going in and jumping over the pit and get, getting, going through the traps to get the golden statue and then accidentally triggers a trap and a giant rolling ball comes after them. They're able to escape that. Let them give them, give them a bone, level them up because, they, they worked really well together to overcome those obstacles. It may not have been enough to level up, but the way they worked together and the synergy they had is worth that, giving them that, that, ex, that ex, uh, level. Um, I think that is more important. And those moments stand out. I absolutely Good love call. it. Good call. I absolutely love it. Don't let numbers override your game. Please, please people don't let numbers override your game. It, uh, and this is coming from somebody who does strategy for a living. I spend all day in spreadsheets. I suck at basic math with pen and paper because I just get used to seeing cells and numbers and being able to do complex calculations. Okay. Don't let numbers override your game. Um, they are important. They help you to standardize things and they help you to make sure that everything is moving relative to each other. But if it overrides your ability to make meaningful decisions as a game master, as a player, as a storyteller, as a participant in the world, even as a bad guy in that world, it's immediately lost all meaning. Um, I absolutely, absolutely agree. So at the tail end of this, I do want to have a lightning round of, you know, our favorite alternate level up systems to XP. But first I would like to talk about a couple of tools, some things that we can give to anybody out there who is looking for ways to make their level up more meaningful, ways to bring some spice back into your, your uh, rolling life, you know. Um, and the, the, the very, very first thing that I want to stress, I'm going to save my biggest point for the end, actually, so I'm going to hold back on that. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, so the, the first thing that I do want to stress is, um, and this is going to sound heretical as I say this, 
but think about ways that you can introduce peril back into the game. Most notably, you should allow stuff to break. You should allow resources to run out. Now, I will say first and foremost, I hate materials, material components for spellcasting. I'm not saying necessarily go that far unless it makes sense for your group. That feels a little too crunchy for me. But one of the biggest things that I hear from GMs who know in their heart of hearts that the most obvious way to help this group feel like they've done something great is to give them the dragon slaying sword is, but if I give them the dragon slaying sword, either they're just going to sell it or they're going to kill all my monsters down the line. And that's no good for me. (laughs) And I would remind all of you that, you know, materials break enchantments go away. Players do dumb things that piss off the entities that control the magics within the item that you've given them, whether that be deities or demigods or a frit or demons or whatever else. And moreover, if an item really is that powerful, other people are going to be looking for it. Other people are going to want it and they're going to want your players because of it. Do not be afraid to give your players something really cool understanding that that is actually a better way to raise your stakes in your story and to make it meaningful when in the one moment that they have put everything that they have into this thing it fails you just gave me an idea for like a really cool mythic weapon that that well okay yeah i'll drop it as as a sweet little nugget here um because i was thinking about what you were saying it's a highly valuable item they could sell it it is a super powerful weapon they could use it uh and then of course you have to let things break well what if things started off broken anyway like uh i mean this of course is slightly inspired by um uh the uh sword narsil but what if they were told to do this great epic quest to retrieve the dragon slaying sword and they're told about you know its epicness and they see all this artwork and they they know it's this beautiful thing and then when they get to the end of the line and there it is on the on the pedestal on the altar uh with a light shining down through the cave ceiling and they walk up and it is this decroted uh rusty short sword looking thing with chips missing and stuff and the idea is yeah that's because it's a dragon slaying sword otherwise it's just this enchanted piece of rust and it doesn't really work for anything else. But when a, when a dragon is near or when they're in, you know, when they're in the magical influence of the dragon, that's when the weapon awakens and becomes this mythical thing. But otherwise it's just this hunk of rusted metal that they have to like put their faith in or just hang on to for a time. And so that was, that was like, as you were saying that, I'm like, oh, that would be so cool for them to like find this absolutely anticlimactic, disheartening relic. But then when they're in the heat of combat with something ferocious and awful, when they're ambushed, then this weapon comes to life because it is a living enchanted entity in the form of a weapon. That's actually kind of funny you bring that up. Uh, so with second edition, I created a, my own world. I have a giant Rubbermaid tote full of notebooks. And Heck yeah. One, one is a giant three-ring binder full of every magical artifact I've ever created. And I actually have an artifact much like that. It is a rusted, busted-up short sword. <laughs> no one would want that when a specific creature that is its bane <gasps> becomes this glorious, shining weapon. Broadsword. You know, 
you know, well, no, it's still a short sword. Still but short sword. Fire. It, you know, fire erupts around it. It becomes this gleaming, brilliant weapon of mithril, and it just slays stuff, and it, and it does massive damage. You never want to, but at the same time, all of my magic weapons, you never want to roll a one with because there is a consequence. <laughs> mm-hmm. You would, you ginger. Well, it's well, it's because they do. I, I made them so these upper level weapons that do massive amounts of damage, you have a huge positive, but there has to be a counterbalance. Yeah. There has to be a balance to that massive damage. Uh, so when they critical hit, it does massive amounts, but if you critically miss, it hurts. And I like that normally like what happens um because you have to have balance in all things you do you do and i like that allow all me right. to tell you the story of the first time that i encountered a shield of wonder <laughs> for those of you who do not know the magic item rod of wonder from dungeons and dragons oh my gosh whenever you try to attack with it you roll on a percentile die and some type of magical effect happens I had a GM who decided that he was going to give us a shield of wonder, which yes, will block attacks. It boosts your AC massively, but any time that it blocks an attack, you roll percentile dice and something happens. And sometimes it's great things like a big flashing light comes out and damages all evil creatures within 60 feet. Sometimes it's innocuous things like it turns you yellow and there is no way to remove that curse unless you are dealing with a wizard of at least 15th level of, or higher. Oh my gosh. And sometimes it is very bad things like taking six constitution damage Ooh. and your character only has seven constitution and then the zombie bites you and then you die. And I'm not going to say that one of those things happened to me during said (laughs) adventure, but I'll let you guess which one it was, and I'll let you guess how careful our party was with that going forward. This is all very, very relevant. The other major point that I want to bring up before we move on and try to wrap things up here is expanding upon all of the ideas that we've brought up until this point. I want to give a very powerful but simple secret everything has a level everything i will repeat that everything has a level that piece of equipment in your adventurer's backpack the short sword that they've carried with them since level one because it has great meaning to them and their family that has a level bad guys have a level Mm -hmm. and you should be leveling up your bad guys (laughs) <laughs> and what they do and their persuasion and how they feel towards the party in any given moment. Economies have levels. And when your characters sell that 300,000 gold piece item in a town that should not have 300,000 gold pieces, the world should start to become unhinged around them as Truth. all of a sudden potions quadruple in price because the merchant who you sold the sword to realized how powerful it was and instead has become the lord of the realm, <laughs> right? <laughs> the tyrant like, of the realm. You know, um, I, I take that. I, I know I, I've had several players like, like, why aren't you going to buy this? I'm like, this is a village. They don't have that much money. You know, yeah, merchants yeah. just don't have this giant bank of, of wonder that they can walk over to and say, hey, uh, I'm going to buy this sword. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm withdrawing this money and here's the, the here's the collateral. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, it just doesn't work that way. You know, um, 
you have to go to a large city. And even then it's going to be rare that they have that much money on them. Um, mm -hmm. So you do have to take those things into account. And you also do have to take into account if you're selling this to someone, are they going to go bad because they now have this massive weapon? Mm -hmm. Is that weapon corrupt? Is Or do they happen to sell it to some guy that is secretly a villain? And then now he's ransacking the countryside. There is consequences to every action, good <laughs> or bad. And, and especially as you get better at working with your players to create excellent rewards and excellent ways to help them grow as characters, as players, as patrons within their realm, become better at not hand-waving away the details. Yeah. yeah. Don't belabor them. Don't make it awful and horrible for your players. There are times when it's, yeah, fine. You sell the 10,000 gold piece thing, whatever. You're in a major city, you're in a port town, you've encountered a traitor, you're working with a wizard's tower, whatever else, right? But, but don't just hand wave it away. Think about if I'm going to add something to the story, what's it going to do to my characters down the line? If they choose to leave this thing behind altogether, how is that going to impact the world that I'm in? whether it's my own world that I've created or the world from the book from which I'm reading. If you're playing Curse of Strahd and your players decide that they really don't need that holy relic anymore, <laughs> guess who's going to come a-knocking, yeah. <laughs> right? And, and that's okay because, again, understanding that level-up systems are helping your characters to progress meaningfully through the story towards a satisfying ending is a good thing. And sometimes that means TPKs. And sometimes that means they become heroes of the realm and glide off into the sunset on the backs of their Dracoliches. <laughs> right? <laughs> and all of that is okay, as long as your players are having a great time. And the things that you gave them are worthwhile to what they want to do and how they want to play the game. Yep. I agree. Okay. So with that, best level up system or favorite level up system Ooh. it can be a video game it can be an rpg it can be a board game uh mr krebs do you have one yeah examples of strong leveling up systems gloomhaven is a board game path of exile a video game and uh even monster hunter i'd go with monster hunter world if you haven't played it before uh, those are all excellent leveling systems, in my opinion. In terms of bad leveling system, I would say Aliens Fire Team Elite. Um, and uh, I think that's all I've got for right this moment. Mr. Dan, do you have any? As far as board games, uh, you know, we've already mentioned Zombicide, but one of my other favorites is Shadows of Brimstone. Um, mm. Really good leveling up system because. Uh, it's all about getting additional skill so that you can survive. It's not about, uh, it really isn't about slaughtering things and, you know, getting more experience. It's, you know, it's about getting those skills to survive. Uh, video game systems. Um, it, you know, I know I've grown up with the traditional role-playing, you know, attacks, spells, whatever you get XP, um, I have to say, I really enjoyed the leveling up system that they added to the new Final Fantasy remake. Mm. That was very mm. enjoyable and, and fun. I like that uh, as far as in a video game system. Uh, bad. Oh, man. 
that one's uh, that one is a tough one because um, I don't really see. I, I guess maybe I'm just. I could just be mediocre. I don't see it as a bad system. I see it as it's it has flaws, and I, I still am willing to work around in it. Um, but. I don't, I, 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 one's not coming to mind right now. Okay. Sorry, Krebs. It looked like you had one more thought. I think you did. Uh, I, you know, another one that I think is like in the mediocre category, not bad, but mediocre, uh, Dungeon Siege 3, another video game. I just wish that the oh, system yeah. was more robust. Yeah. Yeah. That is very fair. So, uh, oh, for, wait, wait, wait. oh, man. Crap. The name started coming to me and I forgot it. Oh, no. It's the weirdest thing because all the animals are like really. It's it's a board game and all the animals are really dark and twisted and uh, like in the land of dark and if you don't carry around like a lantern. Oh, what was that? It was a huge. It was a big Kickstarter and. Oh, is that the one where you have like like three dimensional trees on the board and then you place the lantern? It creates shadows, and you can only move within the shadows. No, it's different. Uh, Mm. You have to like fight this white lion. Um, I don't know. And I, I, I forgot it, but like in the middle of it, you, you're, you're expanding your village and stuff. It, it was such a complicated and convoluted system. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And if mm. your, if your guy died, you, you could play again, but it was like one of your offsprings. Um, yeah. Oh, I wish I remember. I know. I know what you're talking about, but I don't remember. Yeah. So uh, for me, some games uh, that I want you guys to, think about um <laughs> for good level up systems battleship does an excellent job of illustrating some of what we've talked about today you have a limited number of moves but as you make good moves it eliminates bad decisions from the board and drives oh, you towards an end i hadn't thought of that yeah um again not a super steep story based thing but it, it does an excellent job of giving you objectives and helping you feel good about hitting those objectives while moving the game forward meaningfully. Another very beloved level up system um, comes from uh, Talisman, particularly any of the additions that have cones for your level up XP because <laughs> it feels good to stack them up, right? Um, a very bad level up system is Talisman. Because so many of their characters have effects and upgrades that are just not impactful or meaningful. And with that's the only way that you have to interact with the game and you don't draw the right cards, you can end up like me sitting for seven and a half hours and never leveling up once. And that feels (laughs) garbage. Ouch. I got the Kingdom Hearts version of that game thinking, hey, it's Kingdom Hearts. And yeah. Yeah. Needs some love. Um. Uh, and then I, I also would point back to Zombicide as an excellent level up system that's helping to escalate uh, the game itself and impacting your teammates and your decisions in a very meaningful way and sometimes unexpectedly. Um, absolutely love it. But thank you, gentlemen, for engaging me in this conversation this evening. And I Dan, I think it's game. back to you. Yep, I'll take it. I do remember the name of the, the game. Oh, what is it? Kingdom Death. Kingdom Death. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Mm, yeah. And that, w- that was an example of a bad system? Yes. 
yeah gotcha my opinion yeah so uh you know you had to it was 400 bucks to, to buy it yeah 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 <laughs> amazing beautiful sculpts but yeah all right so with that said folks we're gonna wrap this up we're gonna get going uh remember this the amazing opportunity uh that alton talked about earlier with mythos games and uh with tracy and and laura hickman and sky raiders of abrax uh yes i said it correctly um and this is an opportunity not only that it's also a great fundraiser and it's always great to to participate and, and help out the community so um definitely check it out um and we'll go we'll just leave it at that so again with game systems good and bad um not everything's bad you know even though we've said these you know are our opinion the ones that we don't like that doesn't mean that you they may not be ones that you like that is the great thing about this community that's a great thing about the diversity of games and culture is the fact that even though we say hey we're not fans of it we are totally okay if you are fans of it and we want to hear why you're fans of it explain you know reach out to us shoot us an email go to dungeoncrawlersradio.com or dcrshow.com um, send us an email let us know why like hey i do actually like that game and this is why we want to hear your opinion we want to hear that other side because you know just because we're three guys talking about these games doesn't mean we don't want to hear your opinion we actually value that opinion and we want to share that. So if you're willing to do so, we'd love to talk about that and mention it on the show. Uh, so we love gaming in all of its forms. That's why we talk about it. Uh, and that's why we bring on game designers like Tracy and Lara. That's why we have brought on authors uh, like R.A. Salvatore, uh, Michael Haspel, uh, Brandon Sanderson, and so forth, because we enjoy that creation. Uh, we enjoy the uh the story elements and the things that bring us joy and passion so we want to hear about your joy and passion what you enjoy so and you know and we're grateful for every listener that tunes into the show we're grateful for all the participation we get from you um and we're we're grateful that you know the show has continued on for as long as it has because you know by next month our 13th year will be ending and our 14th year will be starting, which heck is, yes, that is amazing. Uh, we have some, some ideas and thoughts and we want to definitely bring some fun things to the show next year. So with that said, I'm going to say we're out of here and we'll catch you next time. Yeah. Dungeon crawlers keep leveling up so you can tell that story, whatever may come. And whether you're a level one loincloth wearing noob or a level 15 eternals wearing celestial armor, always remember to be epic and don't suck. Remember, the force will be with you.